Merry Christmas. What a wonderful time for us to gather together and remember the goodness of our Lord. As you drive around town and as you listen to people talking, you realize that even people who have no belief in Jesus Christ look forward to this season because of the hope and the joy that it brings. They have a spirit of anticipation and celebration. And why is this, we ask? If you don't believe in Jesus, why celebrate Christmas in the holiday season? Well, think with me of all the symbols that Christmas, uh, that Christmas brings, that Christians have reclaimed. We, we string up lights like this to talk about the fact that Jesus brought light into the world, as John 1 even talked about. Uh, we have Christmas trees that are evergreen, um, that speak to eternal life, even in the midst of uh, the dying plants and trees all around us. It speaks of the life that Christ ushered in through his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection. And so Christmas speaks to the hope of restoration and justice in a world that seems to surround us. It gives us hope that our sins won't separate us forever from the God that created us. All of these things are innate within mankind, and even those who might deny Jesus know that this is true. It reminds us that the Father is a good Father who's given us good gifts. But to some, Christmas is the hardest time of year. Maybe even some of you here today, Christmas is a time that reminds us of friends and family members that are gone, reminds us of traditions lost, maybe even relationships lost. For many, Christmas is a time where it seems like everyone else is experiencing the joy and blessings of life, but maybe not you. It might be a reminder that life is not the way that you desire it to be. But I think that when we understand the event of the birth of Jesus Christ and we look truly at what it means, we are brought immense comfort and encouragement because we understand that Christmas is not just an event to be enjoyed by those perfect families that live in Norman Rockwell paintings, right? How many of you young people just got that? Anybody? A few people, okay. Norman Rockwell paintings pictured the perfect families, right? Let me put it this way. Christmas is not to be enjoyed just by those who have the perfect Facebook posts or Instagram pictures. Now, does it make sense? There we go. All right. It's meant to be enjoyed by those who are hurting. See, the celebration of God is reaching, was reaching out to a weary and broken world in the midst of Christmas, in the midst of the birth of the Son. The birth of Jesus Christ was God the Father reaching out to those of us that are mourning, those of us that are lonely, those of us that are hurting, And those of us that know that our sin has divided us from a most holy God who loves us. So this morning, I want to remind us of why we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate Christmas because it was when God reached out to a weary and broken world. You see, the God that we serve is not a figment of someone's imagination. He's not a myth. He's not high up on a hill that we have to climb to reach. He's not far from any one of us. He is imminent. He is right with us and in us if we are believers. He is one who desires an intimate relationship with the world that he has created but that has rejected him. And while we have turned our backs on God and asked him to remove himself from our lives, he has pursued us and given us every glimpse of his goodness God in his great love did not leave the world separated, did not accept the rejection we gave him. He initiated a plan of salvation from before the beginnings of the cosmos. And in this plan of salvation, he would reach out to any one of us that chose to follow him. 
But at the same time, the Bible tells us that God the Father is spirit. You ever tried to touch spirit? It's hard to know what spirit is because it doesn't have form. And so while the Bible says that God is reaching out to us, it's using terminology that God can't actually do because he's spirit. So how did he do it? Well, the Old Testament gives us tons of pictures of God the Father reaching out, and it uses what's called anthropomorphism. That's a fancy word that means it turned the Spirit of God the Father into a human in order to communicate to us. And so we have these verses. Here's just a sampling of some verses that speak of God as if he were a human reaching out to us. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The Bible speaks over and over again of God's arm or his right hand coming to meet mankind. Psalm 20 verse 6 says, Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Psalm 98.1 says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy holy arm have worked salvation for him. I love this imagery because, you see, these are all speaking of one man, Jesus Christ. The right hand, the holy arm of God, is the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who was born as a baby in swaddling clothes, laid in a manger. He is the one in whom the God had stepped down into flesh to show us that God cared for us. And that is what it meant when it said that God became in the flesh, became incarnate. That's why we call this the incarnation of Christ. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. In Jesus Christ, God moved heaven and earth, and He stepped through time and space to touch our lives and reach out to those of us that are lonely and hurting and fearful, and most of all, to reach out to the sinner that was far from his grace. The first thing that I want to show you this morning is this. In the incarnation, God reached out to the lonely. It's awesome awesome how many times I get to sit with people in their loneliness because we forget sometimes that sometimes the busiest rooms, the most packed out rooms, are the places where people feel the most lonely. They feel like they're the odd man or odd woman out. Have you ever been in a new place where there are lots of people, but you are the only stranger? Maybe you're a family member that got brought here today, and you're like, yeah, that's me right now. (laughs) I don't know any of these people, right? Sometimes when we're in those big crowds, we can feel the loneliness, the, the most lonely. And I remember the first couple times I went to West Africa, this became very apparent for me. I come out of the airport, and I'm already kind of a mutant at six foot ten, right? So I already feel a little bit odd no matter where I go. And then I come out into a place where I am by far the minority. I don't speak the language. I don't know the culture. And I walk out into this crowded area, and I'm praying, God, let my friend Marcel be here. And out of that crowd, a hand raises, and it reaches out, and it grabs my hand. And instantly I know I'm not alone. I know that I am there with someone who loves me and cares for me. And that is a perfect picture of what Jesus did in the incarnation. He came from the Father in heaven and said, I will grasp onto you. And this is what the Father was doing in him. He was reaching out his hand to the lost and lonely and saying, I am with you. 
My favorite story that shows this uh, in Jesus' life is when a leper comes to him. Now remember, lepers were definitely the loneliness, loneliest of society because in the Jewish society, they couldn't be in the town. They had to be outside the town, at the very minimum, living with other lepers. And when they walked into the town, they had to cry out, unclean, unclean, so that everyone stayed away from them. Can you imagine what it would have been like? That you would just raise your voice and people would flee from you. Can you imagine anything more lonely? But Jesus comes on the scene and this is what happens. Matthew 8 says this, When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. In the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God reached out to the untouchable. He reached out to the one that feels completely out of place. And God the Father was stating clearly in Jesus to the world that he wants relationship with every single one of us. If you're that person that feels lonely and like you don't fit in, you sit in the middle of Christmas morning looking at all of your happy family and you think, I am the one that is odd, recognize that you are the very person Jesus came to this earth to speak to. You see, his work on the cross brought us into relationship with the Father, as we'll talk about in a minute. But it also brought us into relationship with one another. 1 John 1.3 speaks of John having met Jesus and touched, it, touched him and heard him and listened to him, seen him. And he says, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, speaking of Jesus, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus came first and foremost to reestablish the relationship between an individual and the Father to wipe away his sin, but he also came to reestablish relationships in the midst of humanity. So I think of that day when Jesus was born, and I wonder if Mary and Joseph knew when they looked at that baby boy laying in the manger that they were seeing the hand of God that would reach out to the lonely. Well, we also see in the life of Jesus that in the incarnation, God reached out not only to the lonely, but also to the hurting. One of the honors of pastoring is that I get to sit with people in their most difficult times. I've been honored by many of you that have had me sit with you when you've heard bad news from the doctor or learned of a death in the family. In those moments of hurting, it is one of the greatest things we can do for one another to have a ministry of presence. No words, just sitting. And time and time again in the Gospels, we see Jesus sitting with and reaching out to those that are hurting, those that simply need mercy and grace. When we are in those moments, and we simply need to know that God loves us and cares about us, we need a hand that reaches out to us and comforts us. Healing comes through those kind words and those soft hands. Remember when Kelly and I suffered our first miscarriage years ago, We decided we'd go to church even though it hurt so badly because we wanted to open up our hurt to our community and let them grieve with us. And we were sitting in the back row uh, with our backs hunched over and weeping while a Jeremy Riddle song was being played by the worship band about Jesus being our friend. And at that moment, I remember crying out to God and God, God answering us by one of the elders coming behind us and putting his hands on our shoulders and saying, I'm so glad you're here even in the midst of mourning. God spoke through those words and God used those hands to comfort Kelly and I 
and show us that he was near. And Jesus excelled at reaching out to the hurting. This is from Matthew 20. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. But they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called to them and said, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus in pity touched their eyes. And immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. And so I think of that baby lying in the manger, and I wonder if Mary and Joseph knew when they looked at him that they were seeing the hand of God that would reach out to the hurting. In the life of Jesus, we also see that in the incarnation, God reached out to the fearful. My wife and I and our kids had the pleasure of going to a winter wonderland yesterday, Walmart two days before Christmas. If you want to see fear and anxiety gripping mankind, go plot yourself right in the middle of that store two days before Christmas. Everyone is grabbing whatever they can in order to get out of there with a present. Now, luckily, I was in the car. I was a good husband and sent my wife on that mission. But I got the joy of circling the parking lot with the children asking me questions about why everyone was so angry at us as we turned every corner. At the heart of this is not just anger, it's fear, fear of getting the right present, fear of being done on time, anxiety around Christmas. Raise your hand if you've been even slightly anxious this Christmas season. Anyone? Raise your hand, nice and high. Confession time, yes, okay. Well, the rest of you are better than me. The reality is, is that we look at this idea of Walmart at Christmas and we see a microcosm, a smaller picture of the anxiety and the fear of mankind in general. So many of us walk in fear throughout the year. Anxiety, fear, feeling like we're drowning in life. And in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, God the Father was reaching out to those that are fearful. Remember the story of Jesus walking on the water. One of the most beautiful things about God of the Bible is that he speaks of calming the chaos. From the get-go, he is there to calm the chaos of the water. The Psalms speak of him calming the chaos of the water when he let the Israelites walk through in the Exodus. And Jesus is not just doing a really cool party trick. He is speaking of his proclamation of victory over the spiritual powers that bring chaos as he walks over the water. In other words, he's saying, you're under my feet. You're under my power. And the disciples look at it and they think, man, that is so cool. And so he calls to Peter and Peter steps out of the boat and steps onto the water. And at first, he does it really well. He walks towards Jesus. But if you remember the story, something caught his attention. This is what Matthew 14 tells us. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Not only this Christmas, but just in life in general, do you ever feel like you're being overpowered by the waves, overpowered by the chaos and anxiety of life? Well, God reached out 
in Jesus Christ to speak to you and let you know that even death itself has no power over you. That God is comforting those that need it. And he's bringing us to a place of order and understanding, knowing that he is the God of victory. I wonder if Mary and Joseph, when they looked at that baby boy lying in the manger, realized that in him they were seeing the hand of God that would reach out to the fearful. In all these things, God stepped into the flesh to care for and comfort mankind. Through his word and his Holy Spirit and his body in those of you that are believers, he came to let us know that the kingdom of God is one of peace and one of mercy. I love the line in the Christmas songs that we sing, his law is love and his gospel is peace. Too often we forget that the good news that he brought us is peace. Peace in the midst of chaos and in the midst of a dying and broken world. He came to let us know that the kingdom of God is one of peace. And he is still doing that through the body of Christ today, but the most important thing that we haven't talked about yet is that without the death and resurrection of Jesus, none of these things can actually come to us. None of God reaching out to the hurt to the fearful, to the lonely. You see, when we are stuck in our sins, there is no help for us. We have chosen to be autonomous and separate from God, to rebel against him and say, I'm fine as I am. And he, being a gentleman, says, okay, I'll let you be. And so the most important thing that I have to speak to you today is this. Yes, he comforts us in all those other areas, but in the incarnation, the most important thing is that God reached out to the sinner. That God reached out to the sinner. That baby wrapped in swaddling clothes laying in the manger would grow to be a rabbi that would go throughout Israel bringing the good news that the kingdom of God had arrived. He ministered as the incarnate love of the Father to a weary and broken world that so badly needed his touch. He came to seek and to save the lost. And then he was crucified on a cross for a sin that he did not commit. As they raised him on the cross and pierced his hands and his feet, he opened his arms one last time in that mortal body to a world that would deny him as we have denied the Creator. And he reached out to a world and the world turned its back. And in his death, Jesus died for the sins that you and I have committed against the holy and righteous God. He literally took our place on that cross, dying for the sins that you and I have committed so that the wrath of God would not be poured out upon us, but it was poured out upon him. And if the story ended there, we would be with no hope. But the reality is, is that three days later, he rose from the grave and he spoke of the victory that came by his death on the cross, that death and sin had forever been defeated. Loneliness had been defeated. Fear And the hurting of a mortal world had been defeated. You see, Jesus was anything but common. Even though he was born in common circumstances, born to common parents, I can't think of a more common environment to be born into, a stable, lying in a manger. But the reality is, is that he is anything but common. He is the very sign from God that God loves us and desires relationship with us. 
Let me remind you again of the words from Matthew that were read earlier. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus was God with us. He was more than just the right arm or the right hand of God. He was the Godhead incarnate among us, an infinitely holy and loving God condescended, stepping from his throne in heaven into a world that fought against him. And he stepped into the flesh to die in our place. And he rose from the grave after his death and ascended on high. And today, at this very moment, while you sit here, he sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding on your behalf and mine, waiting for the day where he comes again, not in common circumstances, but as the king reigning, coming in on a white horse, ruling and reigning with the word of God that comes from his mouth that is sharp like a two-edged sword. And by the Holy Spirit that he has sent to us, Jesus is reaching out to you and me right now where you sit. On this Christmas morning, many of you are here because of obligation. You told a family member you'd be here, but today I believe that Jesus is speaking to your heart by the Holy Spirit. He's telling you that he loves you and desires relationship for you, and today is the day for you to stop turning your back to him, but to invite him into your life as he's reaching out to you. Some of you in here, you are Christians, but you recognize that today that the beautiful, miraculous story of Jesus Christ is one that you can't respond to with apathy. You must respond to with zeal and passion because his passion is what brought him to the cross for you and for me. Some of you today, you are Christians that have walked a long time and you know and are remembering today that he is with you in every moment of loneliness and hurt, every moment of fearfulness. So wherever you are at today, I pray that where you sit right now, that you would open your heart to the Lord. You would allow his Holy Spirit to take residence in you and to bring you into the closest relationship with Jesus that you have ever known. Do not let the next day and a half pass by with all the presents and all the food and simply focus upon those things. Focus instead upon the fact that in a weary and broken world, God reached out to us. I wonder if Mary and Joseph knew when they looked at that baby boy laying in the manger that they were seeing the hand of God that would reach out to bring salvation to sinners. If you are one today that knows that you have sinned against God and you are not in relationship with him, the Bible is very simple. You begin your relationship with him by simply crying out as Peter did, Lord, save me. You can do that right where you sit. You don't need to come up front. You don't need to pray a certain prayer. You simply say, Lord Jesus, save me. And he will hear your cry. And then I would invite you to become part of this community of faith or another community of faith in Salem where you learn what it is to walk as his disciple because your journey isn't done with that one cry. The journey continues until the day where you stand before him in glory. And so today I pray for those of you who may not know him that you would open your hearts to him. On this Christmas Eve, let us remember that in that baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in the manger, 
God the Father was reaching out to the sinner that is lonely, the sinner that is hurting, the sinner that is fearful, and he is begging you to grasp on to his righteous right hand. My prayer is that we would grasp onto Jesus this morning in celebration and joy because we know that Christmas was when God reached out to a weary and broken world.